There's an old saying, you reap what you sow. I'm finding it hard, need to let go. So many mountains, we must now climb rivers to cross. And so little time, time is upon us to right the wrong, to find our way home. With a sense to belong, but we can stand proud. You know we've achieved. If only we believe. We will stand before our makers when the time comes. They pose the question. What have you done? I can say in all honesty, I've done all I can to the best of my knowledge. This is who I am. We are now at the crossroads. Tomorrow in sight, forge your future for our children. Let's stand and unite when all the world's problems are taken their toll. Gotta look deep within your soul Hold on to the memory Keep family near, follow your heart, there's nothing to fear. Come in from the darkness, don't get left in the cold. So many stories yet to be told when the winds are changed, blow to the extreme. If only we dare. That's Kutcher Edwards and um, a brilliant little track there that I put on. It's Greg here speaking to you. It's called So Little Time. So good morning and that is our way of welcoming you to today's Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry where we are on OCR FM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We are also streaming live at all the W's OCRFM.org.au and I'll be podcasting this program which is going to be a beauty today because it's a quite impromptu one. But before we get started, I would like to pay respect to and acknowledge the Gulijan people who are the custodians of the land we're on today, as well as the Gadabanud who are along the coast. I'd also like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and future. Now, I'll say good day to Edwina shortly, but she's, oh, she is here now. She's just walking in. She's getting one of the guests here. A cup of tea or coffee? I'm not too sure. What is it, Ed? Coffee with, oh, I didn't get sugars. You didn't get sugars, oh, that's no good. No, but she's sweet enough. Oh, there you go. We're all having a yell here now. We're having another oh. love fest over here. It is. Must do the racing, I've racing. got the coffee. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Edwina. No scones today. 
No scones, but we've got a cup of tea with um, cup of tea with lids on, <laughs> so we are safe in the studio with our drinks. And I would just like to say there is sugar in the coffee. Oh, there yes. is sugar in the coffee. <laughs> that was that's too a, much chat. <laughs> that's a, how are you, Ed? I'm very well, thank this you. This really is community radio. It's yeah, like a bitch. You're sort of sitting in the lounge room with people here today, aren't we? It's a funny lounge room. It's a funny lounge room. It's, just got, it's got speakers in it, and that's about it. Nice lights. <laughs> nice lights. Yeah, little flashy yeah. lights. Oh, yeah, they're, they're really good, aren't they? I'd better talk to the people. The, the listeners are wondering, what is going on here, Greg? Well, what is going on is we really have got two people in here. One we met, Joe Sweeney. I'm going to say hello to her first because we met her and she's just walked into the studio again. We met her last week. Where did we meet you, Joe? At the Colac Aboriginal Meeting Place. And you just sort of wandered in. What did you wander in with? I wandered in with a felt hat that I had designed and made in the Indigenous flag colours and I donated it to Ebony Hickey and the Centre. At the, that's which is Karakaramean. Karakaramean, yes. See, I, even, I, can even, I had to practice that oh, a so do few I. times <laughs> for Karakaramean, which is yeah. a gathering place at Ebony Hickey. Yes. And Ebony Hickey is a person who's responsible for Ed Wenner and I actually being here broadcasting. Okay. Which is our 38th live one, and we've had 41 programs. Very so she, it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got this way of sort of sneaking in around and just slipping you into things, hasn't she? She, she does. So that's how we met. So yeah, we'll that's how I met her too. So. Yeah, good. Well, well, we'll find out a bit more about you too because, yeah, we've got some stories to tell. But we've got a friend of ours, Rebecca Taylor. We haven't known her for a long time, have we? But she's an incredible woman, isn't she? She's a beautiful woman, yes. So we've got, she's got, we've got an incredible woman, Rebecca Taylor, who's from... Well, she's from all over the place, and she's got a lot of... I'm st- from everywhere, man. She's from everywhere. And <laughs> it's she's a song, got, isn't it? Yeah, she's got a lot of stories to tell, and she's got a son, Josh, with her too. And Josh is sort of listening in. I don't know whether... You're going to talk? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is a bit... He's a young, young bloke, a bit timid, all right? Mm. So we leave Josh out of it for the moment unless you want to bring him in, Rebecca, and you can do that at some stage. <laughs> How are you, Rebecca? I'm good, thanks, We're going to call you Beck or Rebecca or what? Anything, as long as it's polite. It's polite. I'll be, I'll be as polite as I can. <laughs> now, why have we got you in here? Oh, I'm we not want sure. to talk. I think we want to talk about closing the gaps, one thing. Yeah. Do we want to do that first, or do we want to talk about loud fence? Because there's loud, loud fence and loud garden, loud garden. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think at the end of the day, they all flow on from each other. Mm, I mean, closing gaps, closing the gap is sort of a bit current at the moment. It's something we've just been talking about over the last week or so. And I guess for me, the closing the gap issue um, is is a very personal one, and it's my personal involvement and concern about closing the gap that's led to the project that I'm working on at the moment and the establishment of Loud Garden in Geelong. Okay, now how much of the story do you want to tell us about what your the closing the gap, how it's impacted you? Well, I guess for me, um, if I'm to sum it up somewhat succinctly, uh, closing the gap for me, I mean, I made a choice this year to not attend any of the events. Um, closing the gap for me is a very personal thing at the moment, and I think it should be for, for far more people out there in the community. Uh, far more non-Aboriginal people should be taking it personally. Um, it is uh, another two weeks until I will be acknowledging the first anniversary of losing my partner. Um, he was a beautiful Aboriginal man, and the systemic racism of this country is what killed him. And that 
aspect of closing the gap is something that we haven't done too much about. The, the actual phrase, I was looking at it last night, it was coined around about 2006, uh, was when closing the gap was first actually broached or talked about. And then I've just picked up some, I picked up information as well that still says that here in uh, December 2008, they're still committing to do stuff, stuff, and they finish off by saying they're going to finalise all drafts to review the National Indigenous Reform Agreement, which was talked about 12 or 13 years ago. So they're still it's in draft stage. Didn't they just um, release a report or a update saying that of the seven points they've only reached, it started two? two it started and there's still the five that are still not even looked at yet? We'll see. It, it just so amazes me that we're, they're still organising draft documentation. It's a ridiculous situation. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel that the biggest issue with closing the gap is that, yet again, the broader community um, puts the onus back on Aboriginal people around closing the gap and um, and fixing mm-hmm. this issue. Now, the issue arose because of colonisation. The issue exists because of colonisation. We came to this country. We caused a lot of damage, we being white culture. We caused a lot of damage to this country and to the people within this country. And now we've reached a point where we've gone, oh, there's a problem with Aboriginal people. Oh, we need to fix this. But then we push back and expect Aboriginal people to take responsibility for fixing this. We inflicted harm. We need to create a space and a culture whereby Aboriginal people can not only heal, begin to heal, but can flourish. Now, how can they heal and how can they flourish? Not only did we come here and damage this country and damage the people, but we're continuing to do it today. Whilst we continue to harm the Aboriginal community and inflict, you know, illness and our abuses upon Aboriginal people, how on earth is any gap going to get closed? One I want to mention too is that it's quite rampant around here. Tracker Clark uh, John Boy made mention about how he, as an ab- Aboriginal man, and others were working on remains around the yeah, area recently. Yeah, that was really horrible, wasn't it, what happened and there? Now, we can't use the words... No, we can't. And I wouldn't use the words that we used. No. But it was um, white fellas went past in a car yeah. and used derogatory terms, terms... Just as they were at, right at that crucial at point. the crucial the point, point of... Um, the ceremony, the ceremony of, mm. with remains of an Aboriginal woman. I think it was. Yeah, they have identified it as a woman. I think the archaeologist identified it as a woman. Yeah, and that is something that is. It was it was brought over that racism, the white supremacy aspect of it. I don't like that term. I, I don't think it's white supremacy around here. I think it's pure ignorance. 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 Yeah. Complete I, ignorance. They just have not been raised to have any respect for. Sometimes not even themselves. I completely know? agree with you there. I mean, at the end of the day, I think referring to it as some sort of white supremacy is giving it far more power than power it, than it have. deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the underlying issue is absolutely ignorance. You yeah. know, not understanding um, Aboriginal culture and the absolute beauty that lies within that culture and not giving it due consideration. I, I think um, my husband and I have talked about it. We're both in our 50s. We're Generation X. We've been raised by fathers that were bloody racist. You know, mm. they'd say, oh, look at that chinger, that slant eye, slope head, oh, that 
all those horrible words mm. that can be said about every culture mm. our parents said to us and so they've been raised like that they don't not that they don't know any different they're not willing to look outside for the different yes. or the, the similarities I think what we need to look for is the similarities the connections between us not the differences and everybody needs to realize everybody's got a family everybody's a mother daughter father son and if we all can make the connections back to humanity empathy mm -hmm. I don't know how to get over that, but that's what I feel needs to be more of that, con mm. and then that connection, closing the gap. Is a I think that's a big part of it. It is. It's a recognizing that at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have a human experience, yeah. and um, you know, a, sh a shared experience as humans. But it's also about um, you know, we need to not sweep under the carpet the negative things that are occurring. Yeah. We've spent too long just pushing to a side and ignoring when people do drive by and shout at something racist when they do do something we say oh it's ignorance and we just kind of push it to one side it's time for the broader community to actually really clearly step up and challenge that dialogue because at the moment that dialogue has been given too much space for far too long it's time for it to be challenged. I mm. don't think the broader community in Australia as a whole is particularly racist, but I think the racist dialogue of the minority has been given too big a voice for too long because we've just kind of gone, oh, they can't help it. They don't know any better. Well, it's time for the broader community to step up Educate and to them. say, actually, that is really not okay. And I think that is beginning to happen. Mm. Right now, the gap is in more ways than one. It's it's education as well, isn't it? It's and it's education that we're still not providing properly to our white community in that regard, in terms mm. of the cultural change. Because the gap, um, I think, part of the problem is that our well, you you've put a nail on it, or put a head, nail on the head, Joe. It's the intergenerational stuff that has been passed down to us. It's yeah. got to, it's got to stop. So the education has to come from the adults. And it has to come from the schools, and it's educating the white community. It's edu well, not the white community. Broader it's educating the general broader community. community yeah. The broad community, because we're not white community anyway. No. No, no I think it's time we stop referring to ourselves as not, a white community. We're not, we're not a European community. No. We're, an, well, what are we? We're universal. I was going to say Catholic. We're a polygot of, <laughs> poly of many different... Look, we talk <laughs> about being Australian... It's about time we actually put a definition around what Australian is. Mm. And I think that we're in a really good perspective being such a young nation that we could actually start to lead the way and we could actually start to embrace these concepts that we've used in a really superficial way for a long time. Well, not a particularly long time, but we talk about being multicultural and things like that. I think it's time that we really explored that and we really embraced that and we really started to celebrate all cultures and acknowledge that this is not a white country. Um, never it's, was. It, it, it never, never was, was. And it's never going to be. This is Aboriginal land first and foremost. And um, the way to move forward as a multicultural community is to first stop and listen to the Aboriginal community and start to heal some of the many, many wrongs that have been done towards the Aboriginal community. It needs to stop. It hasn't stopped yet.
We need I, to stop the abuse. I see a little bit of hope. I saw a little bit of hope, though, when we had the barbecue on Invasion Day, whatever day you want to call it, Australia, up at Red Rock. Red Rock yep. And what really, I was up there volunteering and having with the barbecue with, for Ebony for the day, and what really surprised and Uncle Craig. Uncle Craig, yeah. <laughs> God, he's a character, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I was quite he's, surprised. He's freezing, he's freezing his things off at the moment, isn't he? <laughs> he's <laughs> down in Portland. He's down in Portland. He's not liking <gasps> the cold. It's so cold weather. down there. He doesn't like the cold. <laughs> Uncle Craig Bulch. Anyway, but go on. What I found was quite, uh, for me, was a quite a pleasant surprise was there was a lot of people over the age of 55 and 60 that were there mm. like you guys were there and I felt wow it was all I, I expected it to have a preconceived idea that it'd be younger mob yep. but when I saw all of the older people the old and I was like really it's like wow these people have acknowledged it they see something and they've come up here today to honor and you got I had a lot of people come up and thank me for what cooking and putting yes. on the day and it was quite a pleasant surprise and it made me realise that the older generation there's people out there that do realise that it's wrong yeah. and they want to make the rights but they haven't had a way to make amends or rights or express yeah. it by now having barbecues and we can go there and show our respect yeah. and hopefully create change and dialogue and conversation there was young babies there to people in wheelchairs and no, it was just um, for me. Community. It was, it was a c- community. It was an amazing day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's community, right. humanity, and community at work. We have to make sure that you're you're in town next year, Rebecca. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, I was going to come this year, but it's still things like that still feel quite raw to me yeah. at the moment. It's yeah. still sorry yeah. time. It's sorry yeah, time. very much so. Very much. And people need to understand that. I th- I just think we need to all look at ourselves and think about what kind of language are we using well and it's you know you see a lot of like the closing the gap we talked about reports and policies and things like that that's bureaucracy that's mm. government at the end of the day i don't think i think it's time we stop waiting for government to fix everything yeah and we start recognizing the power that individual people have that's mm. right yeah you know we need to make change at the grassroots level we need to educate ourselves you know part of closing the gap uh, recently um, through some of the work that I'm involved in, I came across some information about the Victorian health system. Um, they did a, a review for Aboriginal experiences of engaging with the Victorian health system. And I think it was something like one in two. It was it was a statistic. I might mm. be slightly wrong there. One in two Aboriginal people presenting at a, at a health service in Victoria experiencing racism. Yeah. Uh, what century are we in? That's right. Now that... That needs to change at the individual people. You know, if you're working in the health service, go and get some cultural awareness training. Go and talk to your local community. Learn about Aboriginal culture because I think a hell of a lot of it is, again, stemming from ignorance and misunderstanding. There is a lot of ignorance and misunderstanding, particularly out in that area. I've heard stories of potato farmers and farmers out there that have told their workers don't be looking down there or just kick that to the side and it's a, a human bone or this one guy there's uh, uh, piles of artifacts that we'll never see in museums because these people are too scared to say it because they think your land's going to be taken over or they're going to get into trouble or yeah. so there's so much secrecy out amongst the farming a community too because they're scared for themselves and what 
they could get into trouble, what could they lose. So there's got to be a sort of an understanding that no one's in trouble, no one's doing anything wrong. No, it's just it, part of the history. It's, it's well, good to put your hand up and, mm. and ask the question or if something happens to you, to be able to have that safe space to talk about something. Mm. You know, It works I, both ways. I think there's a lot of shame yes. over from the Western District. A lot of farmers over there have inherited shame from their families that had done some nasty things over in that side of the world. Yeah, there's oh. some horrible, you horrible know? stories. Yeah. Well, right through. Well, I was proud to wear the. Um, well, not not proud that, that it had happened, but I was proud because we knew that Uncle Archie was going to be there on at Dean's March, which is another event. It was fabulous. Yeah. Um, I wore the 150th anniversary of, of Framlingham, mm-hmm. uh, and that was 2014 that we were there. Yeah, I wore my t-shirt. Whatever you call it. Jason was there. <laughs> He has the T-shirt too. Mm. Oh, I have the T-shirt now. Okay. Well, so I wore that in respect of, of because well, with a, knowing Uncle Archie was going to be there, but the bloody horrors of what's gone on there through the whole Western District. And, uh, you know, we've got a, a farmer from not too far out of, away from here who found a diary where a bloke has had a great day. You've got two, uh, two black people who didn't say that. To in, with one shot? You know, there's a lot of work being done on developing a, um, a nationwide map of massacre sites. Mm. And, um, you know, it has a long, 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 long way to go before it, 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 it captures everything. But I think it's, it's a really important um, means of opening up that dialogue. I mean, in the past month alone, um, you know, we would have acknowledge, acknowledged there was a, a massacre down in Terang. 35. Murdering Gully. Yeah. Mm. Um, in Geelong, Cowies Creek, there was a massacre there. I'm not sure of the figures. You know, the stories are right across. You say, even around the rises with the Umarala yep. Wars when they used to run into the rises to mm. hide how many bodies are around there that we'll never find that were mm. hunted down on the way to exactly. safety. Exactly. Um, and, and we need to bring this out into the light of day. It yeah. needs to be acknowledged because, you know, if the broader community isn't aware that these these things happened, these events happened, then how can the broader community have any understanding of what it is that we're trying to heal? Understand and process. Exactly. Mm. It's our history and we need to, to have our history revealed. We have to be brave enough to confront the truth. Yes. And get over the shame of it. There's yes. no shame for us. We need to look what a get a heal and go forward. Yeah, I'm going to put on a track. It's called No More Bleeding. Beautiful. Mm. I think that'd be appropriate. Yeah. Um, and you can have a guess once we start as to who it is, who it's by. But we're in here with Joe Sweeney, and I've, I've got to mention Joe. We had your sister in here a couple of weeks ago. Yes, Tracy. Tracy McPherson was in mm. here and she was talking about her gambling problem. I mean... No. <laughs> yes, the gambling problem she has at Bethany. Which is, which is terrible, which is what we found out, that there's $21,000 per per week oh, going just on just on she poker can throw machines. Out scares me. Here, and I had to... We calculate, and it's two, that's $2 per person. It's babies and everything that's mm-hmm. going in Colac alone. Imagine what yeah. we could do with that money. $7.7 yeah. million per annum just being wasted in Colac. Yeah. It's a shocking, is isn't it, for a what, population of fourteen, fifteen thousand people? Oh, that's right. It's terrible. So that's and we've got Rebecca Taylor and Josh is over there. What are you Hi. what are you doing, Josh, on your phone? Playing Pac Man? <laughs> oh dear, and Edwina. 
<laughs> but it's getting really along. It's 22 minutes past here where you're on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast where we are talking about, well, lots of stuff, closing the gap and where it's evolution or where it'll evolve here in terms of our discussion. I don't know where it's going to go, Ed, do you? And how can we all do something to help close the gap? Well, we, we haven't actually used the terms yet, walking together, but I think that's walking together is one of the main, it's a nice little phrase that we use. But it's a walking and talking together that we need to do and just get yeah. this sorted out. Mm, we'll have a listen agree. to this we'll have a listen to this track that um, I just said was no more bleeding. Pain is like a big black cloud covering up the sun. And ignorance just keeps you blind to the beauty in everyone. Yeah, it's cold, dark, and lonely. Love can make you happy 
Welcome back to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on 98.3 FM here at uh, yeah, OCR FM. And we're also at 88.7 FM down on the coast where they pick it up around where the beautiful beaches and that are, Ed. Mm. We're yeah. in here today with who? Well, we were in here with Joe and Rebecca and Josh <laughs> and talking about how to close the gap. And in the break while the song was on, we were saying, well, how can we have... What can we do? Hey, wait a moment. Do you think people know who it was? It was to the oh, singer. You've got to tell people who it was singing. It's one of my favourite uncles. <laughs> do you remember what it was? Archie Roach, didn't I? Uncle Archie. He's everybody's favourite uncle, yeah. isn't he? Beautiful man. Actually, I've met a bloke. Oh, no, not met a bloke. I go to the gym on Wednesdays. And the, my exercise physiologist didn't know who I was talking about. <gasps> That's a crime. That's about education. That's no joke. I just, re- I just remembered that. I'd forgotten to tell you. Educating. Well, that's yeah. a perfect opportunity for some community education right yeah. there, Greg. He's a Maltese extraction. Maybe we can forgive him a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not much, because he's living here. Exactly. That's right. Which is what it's all about. We're talking about that. It's multicultural. So where do we? how do we get it sorted out? Who's, who's losing out on all this? We are, aren't we? Yeah. We are. I got some. I, you, you know, it's a very touchy subject, but it's something that we need to talk about. And I don't like. There's an article in when you look up uh, what it was released on the 22nd of March. There's been at least 35 suicides of Indigenous people this year. That's as at the 22nd of March. That's in just 12 weeks. And if you extrapolate that out... Three with children only 12 years old. Yeah, and if you extrapolate that out and put it into context, if the same percentage of the population in the broader community was committing suicide, that would be hundreds. That's right. Now, if we'd had hundreds of, you know, white Australians commit suicide in that same space of time, there'd be a complete and utter uproar. So why, mm. we don't, why are we not having the same uproar in the broader community about Aboriginal deaths and why is the government not stepping up and doing something about this? Well, based on Jerry Georgiatos, so I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname, but if we extrapolate using your figures, it's 300, just under 300 mm. it would have been of white fellows. Yep. And that is it, that's uh, less than 25 years of age. Yep. Mm. And what's and they're, happening they're, they're, they're is... They're only the ones that are, that are known to have been, and the majority yeah. were by hanging. It's a bloody terrible thing to talk about, but... That is what is going on in our community. Yep. Uh, that's far more, you know, it's more than road uh, kill. Yeah, it is. I've been talking to individuals in some of those communities affected, and the question I've been asking is, how can we help? Because I think we are long past the time, point of time where we go, okay, well, the government's going to do this and the government's going to do that. Mm. And the feedback that I'm getting, right or wrong, is that within those communities, those communities know the services they need. They know the supports that they need. And many of the um, individuals that we've lost to suicide in these last few weeks, it's because they were waiting services that just weren't appearing. Those services had been promised. Those services had been funded but those services weren't there in that community where it was needed. So at the end of the day, um, why? Why is that falling down? And it shows to me yet again that we can't actually be relying on government to fix the problem. We need to be holding governments more accountable, but we also as a community, a broader community, the Australian community needs to step up and take some personal responsibility for this. We can't be waiting for someone else 
to fix it all of the time. We had a huge outpouring, I think it was a little over 12 months ago. There was a beautiful young woman up in the Northern Territory, I think it was, and um, you know, as a result of bullying, she's no longer with us. There was a huge outpouring and the community stood up and said, we need to end bullying. You know, um, where is the outpouring for the Aboriginal children that we're losing? Where is it? And why aren't we as a community going, how do we stop this? Okay, yet again, we're expecting that the Aboriginal community will fix that problem. It's not their problem in that we created the circumstance. We created the space that this is then developed out of. So we shouldn't be pushing back going, oh, well, they can fix it. They are now, we want them to be a part of our community. We talk about everybody being equal. Well, that also comes with the responsibility on our side of the fence. We need to be going to these communities where they're large, you know, where the largest impact is happening. We need to say, what do you need? How can we help? And we need to make it happen, not wait for the government. We as individuals and communities need to make it happen. The Aboriginal community got together with their Uluru statement. Mm-hmm. And what happened with that? It's because that was a, that could have been a great beginning, do we think? Well, absolutely. Yeah. But the white fellow wasn't prepared to... The government. The government. The government. The government. Not the average white fellow, it's the, the government. White, yeah, the at government the end, wasn't. At the end of the day, we need to stop waiting for our government to fix the problems and we need to step up as individuals and communities and go, how can we help? And we need to listen. And we need to implement strategies and ways of being that address those issues. And we also need to remember that we, as a broader community, are responsible for the government that we currently have. We all complain that we have this government, and I'm not just talking about those elected in, you know, as I'm talking about every politician sitting in parliament. We want to sit here and complain about who's in parliament they're there because of us. We gave them a platform and we gave them their vo our votes or we did not give them our votes, mm. depending on which way people chose. Um, but we are responsible for the government that we have and if we don't like what the government's doing, then we need to vote, accord vote accordingly. But you know, it's been all sorts of governments have not really done a lot about it because they've been they've been giving yes. money for what they think they that the Aboriginal community wants, or the government gives money for what they think people want, without really finding out what the needs are. Exactly. Well, so is that the, how do we get that sorted out, Rebecca? How are we going to? Well, again, that fancy? that's 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 a big reason why I say that we don't just rely on government. But at the end of the day, when it when we're talking about bureaucracy and we're talking about the funding that is out there and the funding that is being distributed, we need to look at where is that funding going? Is it being given to the Aboriginal communities? Is it being given to Aboriginal-controlled organisations, or is it being eaten up within? bureaucracies and systems and disappearing into administrative costs and things like that. Well, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in this country, either at a state or federal level, that are not accounted for or haven't ended up on the frontline services where they were supposed to go. Why is there not an outrage about that? If the, the, Someone's told me at one stage if every Aboriginal at one point, say, no, I think it was around 1980, had it been given the million and a half dollars that was being spent supposedly per Aboriginal, if they'd been given that money themselves, they'd that's what or they, that's what each Aboriginal would have got, one and a half million or something, 1.2 million each. 
Imagine what a difference in a cooperative community level what the communities could have done back then. And that was at nine. That was about 1980 that that figure was at how much had been spent mm-hmm. per. I mean, so where's it all gone? Exactly. I don't know. A lot of people don't know, and that's the problem. I think that's that from from coming from government to getting on the ground. It's that big middle area with all that bureaucratic tick the boxes. You know, government says, "Oh, but we're giving the money." Mm. You know, we're doing the right thing, no. but the bureaucracy in the middle. It's. The, the, one of the th- uh, reports I heard is that they said, don't send us any bu- bu- more bureaucrats tick boxes. We've ticked boxes. Yeah. We know what we want. Now, please bring us actual services to the yeah. ground. We're sick of seeing bureaucrats coming in, flying in, ticking their boxes and flying back out again. And nothing happens on the ground. Exactly. We need to be providing that funding into Aboriginal-led communities yeah. and organisations. And believe that, and ha- that they, are, they can run their own community. Yes. They're not children. We, we made them children by our own perceived of putting them into camps. and all. We took it all away from them. They can look after themselves. Give it back to them. Let them have autonomy and self-governance. Not us telling them what to do with it. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pretty volatile little check we're having here, isn't it? So how can we do? I mean, we've, we've helped send water up to where... You know, Menindee, Menindee Lakes is drying up and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But what else can we do? Look, um, where would you like to start with that? I mean, locally, um, we currently have a tent embassy happening up near Ararat. Go up there and support those people. Is it by the trees? Yeah. Go save the trees. That's the... Um, the, the birthing trees. Tree. Yeah. Mm. Yep. You know. Um, or the group down at... Isn't it, they're still sitting at Warrnambool yeah, or there's another. there's another group of people down at Portland. There's people Portland, over in yep. Gippsland. Mm. Start listening to the Aboriginal community. Start hearing what the issues are and put your voice and your energy behind the Aboriginal communities. That's how we make a difference. You know, Aboriginal people have been on this land for eons. And at the end of the day, what an amazing culture they are. Why are we not supporting and encouraging and assisting that culture and that community to heal and to flourish? They have so much to offer us. It's time that we stepped back and started learning. Even on an environmental level, when white man got here and he came over into the plains and he saw all those grains growing and all the yams growing, we've had sustainable. They had sustainable agriculture here exactly. for a long time, exactly. and we've screwed it up now. Yep. So maybe we could get, learn, take some of the knowledge, or go and ask them to learn for how did you guys do it? Let's take this back and. Well, let's look at some of the issues that we've got at the moment. We've got the Murray Darling crisis. We've got drought affected communities. Yeah. We've got fire ravaged communities. We've got flood ravaged yeah. communities. I mean, we've got all of those awful fires that happened in the rainforests up in Queensland that where where fire is just not meant to happen. Mm. You know, all of those disasters and all of those huge issues have come about because modern Australian community doesn't know how to look after this land. Yeah. Aboriginal people successfully cared for and nurtured this continent for eons. We need to ask them for their guidance, their leadership. We need to listen to what was working. It's not about, you know, we're all here now. It's time to walk together 
and it's time to learn from each other's wisdom. You know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, if Aboriginal people don't want us here, then we're going to take back, you know, the wheel or this or that, and they carry on with all these silly (laughs) ideas about what needs to be taken away. It's not about, you know, any of that anymore. We're all here together now. We need to acknowledge the truth of our history. We need to acknowledge the truth of what's currently happening, and we need to all start to walk together and to learn from each other's wisdom. And at the moment, from my position, um, I feel like the biggest chunk of the community that needs to actually do that is the broader community, is the colonisers. We need to be humble. We need to accept and acknowledge what has happened and who did what. And then we need to find a way to walk together and walk forward. And I think when we get into that space where we can truly walk together and walk forward together, we're going to have created a very beautiful and a very amazing thing. We're going to put on a track now by a young fellow by the name Urimal, Urimal Marika, and that leads us into what sort of space we're creating with our mention earlier on of the loud garden. Mm-hmm. So we'll end up, we'll talk about something that is beautiful. It's got a horrible origin, but it's got a beautiful finish. Sure. Urimal, the track I'm going to put on, I'll tell you about the track, if I can read the little red print on the track on the cover of his uh, young blood album and uh, Urimal is is named as young blood by uncle archie it was a chap who called him that because he is he's a young bloke who uh, we actually had we were proud enough to meet him some eight years ago i suppose it was ed yes when he was a young boy in uh, geelong at st joseph's college uh-huh. and uh he was a, he, he came he's a, from he's a young new man he was a young new boy then but now he's a big Big hairy, <laughs> and uh, very handsome man. A very handsome man, and he's going all over the world at the moment, or has been all over the world. And uh, he is, as Uncle Archie called him, the young blood. He is what is. Be, he's a vibrant part of the young Aboriginal community, the educated community, who are bringing it or continuing the song lines, but they're doing it by song, and they they are our future. And so I'll put this track on, and we'll have a little bit of. Well, we'll have a listen to it and then we'll be back with you. Beautiful. It's running on to 20 minutes to midday, which is as far as we can go with our time here, girls and boys. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you're on 98.3 FM here on OCRFM and 88.7 FM along the coast where we are streaming live also at all the W's OCRFM.org.au and you'll be back with Edwina and Greg on Community Connect after this track. My young on, my young on, my young the tide Look at the world through different eyes No one can hold me to the ground When you wake up the world is spinning around Together we stand hand in 
Admire none, and that's Yerumumarika. Uh, the song actually means, and if you listen to some of the words about equality and being together and everything else, it's all about what we're talking about today on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry, and our guests are Joe Sweeney, Rebecca Taylor, and Josh sitting over there. What are you playing doing there, Josh? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting there. Nothing. Classic teenage uh, but we response. Are, yeah, teenage response. We, ju- we are uh, having a great yarn here and there's only a little bit to go. But that track it, uh, translates in Yongyu to a hope for a better future. So, um, you know, we could, well, I think we all have that. We're hoping for a better future yeah. and that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. And achieving it. But we need, you're, you're creating a space to help people achieve that in a way, aren't you, Rebecca? I'm, I'm, I am creating a space with my children and we're hoping that what we are doing will become an example for others elsewhere in the community. Um, before Jason passed away, Jason and I had had a dream 
to create a space that would be a therapeutic garden and a therapy farm um, to support and help the healing of children, particularly children who had been through the out-of-home care system um, with a strong emphasis on Aboriginal children who had been exposed to the out-of-home system um, and to incorporate as much Aboriginal culture and strength into into that as possible. And um, when we lost Jason almost a year ago now, um, that dream and that idea momentarily shattered at my feet. I felt that that was something I couldn't do anymore and that that was something that passed with Jason. And um, a conversation with his brother Shane and lots of conversations with our children, who obviously are Aboriginal children, we, the children and I, have decided that the best thing that we can do um, is to actually hold on to that dream and to bring it into reality. And that's something the children and I are working on now, one step at a time, is actually creating a therapeutic garden and a therapeutic farm with the intention of supporting children um, and bringing together the best of white culture um, and the absolute best of Aboriginal culture. You're, you're a blended family. You're, you're an incredible woman. <laughs> how, how many, how many are, have you got in a blend, your blended family that you're now looking after? Just I, to let people know. I am now. Please. I hope a, you don't mind. Uh, no, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind sharing our story at all because I think there's a lot of learning in it. I um, am a mother of eight. So, um, and five of those eight children are Aboriginal children. So, yeah. How, how are they being treated or how, what, do you have any issues with the, the Aboriginal children having any issues at their schools or anything like that? How are they being treated? Are they, is it better Look, than in terms Look, in terms of schooling, um, I'm really, really lucky in that my children currently go to a fantastic school where their culture is, is supported and encouraged and when we hit little obstacles and little things, um, the school community is really open to, to hearing what what our viewpoint has been as an Aboriginal family. I'm not an Aboriginal woman, but we identify as an Aboriginal family. And um, and we've been really blessed at the school that the children go to. I wish that I could say the same further out there in the set, you know, in, in the rest of the community. I've certainly experienced huge differences accessing health services and accessing broader services in the community. The moment that I tick that box, identifying that there are Aboriginal children in, in the family. Um, and the other thing that stands out for me too is without even thinking about um, what our actual experiences are, you know, as a mother, I'm raising children and I need to look at those statistics and those futures. And, you know, I'm half, nearly half of my children, I have to prepare them and give them the resilience and the strength for them to be able to know how to navigate the society once they step outside my front door. They are going to be far more likely to be pulled over by police. They're going to be far more likely to be followed around the supermarket by security staff because they look Aboriginal. Um, And this isn't something that I'm just pulling out of nowhere. This is based on the experience of, you know, what my partner went through for for, for the 30 years that I've known him. You know, and and how do you sit there and go, okay, well, half of my children are going to be okay and I don't need to give them those skills or that resilience because they're not going to get the harassment. But the other half of my children, I need to teach them how to respond to police or security staff or, you know, how to respond to someone in the street yelling obscenities at them. Um, And that is a really horrid space to be in. And, you know, 
I'm in a position where I can see that real stark difference very, very clearly and very, very broadly. And I'm not going to stop talking about it and putting it out there in the community until it stops happening for all children. And it's all colours, races and creeds. Mm. We really have to be, we have to be in Australia. In Australia, we have to have our own persona as Australians. And I think with what we're talking about, the closing of the gap, we need to talk on the, the, the it's a physical and mental uh, health aspects as well as all the services that need to be brought to scratch and the needs of the community met. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, we are a community. We're a broad community. We're a multicultural community. We need to remember that all of the other cultures that we're referring to when we speak about multicultural community, they are still also living with the benefits of colonisation. Aboriginal people are living with the aftermath of decimation cultural attempted genocide, ongoing attempted genocide. So the first thing that we need to do as a broader community is step up, acknowledge and support the Aboriginal community so that they can actually begin their healing journey and we need to acknowledge what has happened for them and we need to acknowledge all of the benefit and the privilege that every other culture in this country has because of the genocide towards Aboriginal people. That's the first step. Once we actually begin to, 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 to do that and to address that, then we can start talking about being a unified community and a multicultural community and a community that walks together and, and, and has equality and equity. But the first thing we need to do is we need to understand that Aboriginal people need our support and we need to listen and we need to respect and we need to give them the resources and whatever it is that they need, we need to stop expecting them to fix the damage that we caused. I'm looking here at, a, at um, what was published in 2006 about how Close the Gap uh, it became a marker of a new approach to improving Indigenous health and reducing disadvantage. So there was an acknowledgement way back there of, uh, that Aboriginals are uh, at disadvantage right from the... As soon as they land, it would come out of the mother's womb. Before that. And before that. Mm. And the Close the Gap is an approach based on Australia's obligations under the right to health. This is not a right to be healthy, but has a foundation premise that a nation state's core business includes providing opportunities to be healthy to its population by ensuring two fundamental inputs. First, by providing access to health goods, services and facilities, especially primary health care services to prevent ill health or in the event of ill health, and second, by providing housing essential services, water and food, and supply of a standard to support good health. That was in 2006. How far have we come? Well, haven't we gone backwards? We we've gone backwards, I think, haven't we? <laughs> we've <coughs> got, we've, you know, we've got um, Northern Territory government who's been refusing to live up to their um, responsibilities in terms of providing and maintaining adequate housing. They've just thrown their hands in the air and handed the responsibility for that back to Canberra. What's Canberra going to do with it? Well, they had Canberra took the responsibility back here in 2006. No, but I'm talking... Yeah, the funding goes to the Northern Territory. Yeah. The Northern Territory got it wrong. Then yeah, the Northern so Territory throws their hands up and throws it back. You know, in Queensland, um, I can't remember the specific community it's in at the moment, but in Queensland we've got a situation where um, Aboriginal 
Aboriginal housing, a, a, a bunch of properties were handed over from the government to a social housing or community housing provider. That community housing provider mismanaged the properties and went bust. Um, those properties have now been sold out from underneath Aboriginal people and Aboriginal people have been given eviction notices. <laughs> what? Did those people, did those individual people live it? These are people that have been living in their homes for the last 20, 30 years mm. and all of a sudden have been told, sorry and the place has been sold from underneath them. Surely there was another avenue. Surely there was another option. I don't believe that they should again have to actually, you know, deal with the consequences of our society and our culture mismanaging a situation for them. You know, we've got communities, remote communities all over the country where, you know, we're failing to maintain and provide adequate services in terms of, you know, sanitation, roofs overheads, water supply, etc. The knowledge exists out there in the community to create, you know, self-sustaining situations and things like that. Why aren't we getting people out there into those communities and fixing the problems? Why are we waiting for someone in Canberra to figure it out? Because it's still in draft process. (laughs) (laughs) Not good enough, Greg. (laughs) You know, I I know all the all the waffle that's going on out there, but we need to we need to stop with the waffle, and we just start with the action. Mm. Rhetorical BS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even reconciliation action plans. There's some fantastic raps out there. Yeah. But there's also a lot that are just tokenistic garbage to get a tick box. Yeah. You know, um, organisations that want to develop a rap, make sure you're doing it effectively. Get out there and engage with your local Aboriginal community and let them give you guidance. Let them share their wisdom with you and let's actually do this right for a change. And once again, reconciliation, it's not the Aboriginal that needs to reconcile with us. We need to reconcile with them. The closing of the gap, it's the, the we need to a, fix whole our of mess. community. We're mm-hmm. going to fix our method and eh? We need to fix our mess. Our yeah. mess, yeah. yeah. We need to fix our mess. Be real. No more silence around all that. Well, that's another aspect. We won't go too deep into that, but the loud, mm. your, your garden's including a loud... There's a space within the therapy garden that I'm growing that I'm dedicating to a loud garden. Mm. And it's a space that um, is to acknowledge and to be a safe space for those that have experienced childhood sexual assault. Um, One of the reasons I made that space the first dedicated space within the therapy garden is because it resonates with the experience within um, Jason's side of the family. Uh, Unfortunately, there's been a lot of of sexual abuse through generations of Jason's family. And again, that's, you know, Mm. how do we fix that? But that's not, they're not Robinson Crusoe and that's not an Aboriginal thing. That's, no. That is a universal thing where the abuses have gone on and on and on and on. And it's, uh, it's time we stopped on all of that. And so, yeah it's, a, yeah, it's one that we'll be talking about again. I actually have um, the sexual assault and uh, family violence unit will be coming in here on, I think it's the 24th of, May, of, uh, of April. I'm not sure, but we've got got programs down the track which reminds me i better let you know because we're going to have to wind up now because it's really coming up towards midday and we'll be looking forward to going out and hoping there's a couple of degrees more warmth in the air when we get outside but next week i'm going to be talking with um well she's known as purple deb um <laughs> deb road it's about the standing story sticks project that uh, we saw it at the dean's mind did you have a look at it at, on 
I didn't get to didn't the Dean's Marsh. Didn't you go to Dean's Marsh? No. The, you didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I saw you there. No. The Dean's Marsh Festival. The Dean's yeah. Marsh Festival. And it's, uh, that was great. The Standing Stick story. Uh, we'll be talking with her about that next week. Uh, before I, we, I would say what we're going on, have you got any, any, anything we need to um, publicise it or anything like that? Well, next Sunday at 11.30 at the steps of Parliament House, Melbourne, there's um, oh, the redress a rally. redress rally. And that's another thing about the government. <laughs> um, that's survivors of sexual abuse about uh, having a national redress scheme and getting all the people involved, institutions. Yes, that to, um, let's make up. it fair and just. As the government isn't doing that, so there's a little bit of a demand going on to say uh, we want justice. But okay, so the, what time is it? Eleven. Eleven thirty. Eleven thirty at government. Uh, the steps of Parliament House. That the National Melbourne. Redress Scheme is a disgrace and yep. we want it fixed, please. All right, well, I'm going to go out with, you can guess it, Uncle Archie. <laughs> Beautiful. And this is one that I think you find appropriate. It's called Get Back to the Land. Yeah. And I think that that's something, and he actually played it on the weekend or sang it on the weekend. And uh, he, I saw him after his, his uh, performance and uh, he said to me that... Uh, the body's weak, Greg, but the spirit, his spirit is still strong to continue because he's still got more to go. From what he's been he's through, he's still man. there. He's like, and, and he's my age, and to, to think that closing the gap, uh, he's a lot older than me uh, because of his Aboriginality. And that's where we have to look at is we've still got that bloody awful gap between how old we live and how old our Indigenous, our Aboriginal people live. They're not plants, they're people. Thank you, Joe, for popping in. It's and okay. your felt hat. People can see, is it, how do they get to have a look at it? If uh, they go to Karakaramean? Yes, she's got it hanging up there for them to have a look at. And I'll also be running a workshop with uh, on Reconciliation Week with the local Indigenous children from Trinity College. We're going to be making felt dilly bags or oh, something beautiful. out of the. Yeah, so. We're going to be talking amazing. reconciliation later on, Denise. Uh, Charles is helping us organise that. We're going to be talking reconciliation for one, maybe two weeks. You might want to come back in. Yeah, come back in. And we'll p- to promote that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what what dates we got, Ed. Josh is sure. coming in. I'm not sure of what So we're going to be promoting right. reconciliation yep. then. Not long we'll after here. that, we've got mm-hmm. NADOC, so we're going to be doing a fair bit of promotional stuff. Yeah. That you want to, anyone wants to do. Anyone out in the community, they've got anything they want to talk about. Cool. They know how to contact us here on OCRFM. Thanks for your input there, Josh. You're welcome. Beautiful. <laughs> 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 Rebecca Taylor, you're a gem. Um, oh, thank you, Greg. We look forward to, uh, oh, well, I don't know, we look forward to a hug after this, I think. And uh, <laughs> I want to thank you again for, for coming down and talking with us so frankly about your life. Not and a also about the issues of closing the gap. Fellas out, or everyone out there, please talk about it. Let's walk together. It's yeah, up let's, to us to close the let's gap. all bring peace. Not peace. only talk about it, but remember to listen. Listen. Yes. Correct. As I said, we're going to go out, uh, and we will be talking to you next week. Uh, Edwina, you're yes. going to come back in too? I sure will. Okay, so you've been with Ed and Greg on OCRFM's Community Connect, where it has gone midday. I'm sorry I'm a bit over it. But you were on 98.3 FM in Colac and District and 88.7 FM along the coast. We will talk to you again next week. 
But here we go out with Uncle Arch. Cheers. Oh, when somebody does you wrong, what do you do? And you're not the only one they're making love to. 